young kid, this is not me, by the way, it's a symbol. When I was a young kid, I had the same reoccurring nightmare. I'd be laying in my bed and I would look out my window and I would see a woman with long black hair with her two henchmen. And they'd be coming through the window to try and get me. So I would jump out of the bed and I would start running down the hall of my house to get to my parents' room and to get to safety. But as I started to run, I started to get slower and slower and slower. And just as I was about to reach my parents and just as about the goons were to reach me, I woke up. And I had this dream over and over and over again. Now, I'm not a dream interpreter, but when I was younger, I took it to mean, Chris, do not date a girl with long black hair and brothers that can beat you up. (laughs) Made sense to me, right? It was a warning. But now that I'm 51 years old, uh, I kind of see that dream in a different light. This past year, 2016, has been a great great year, but there have been times this past year where I've made some mistakes, uh, where I've committed some sins, and I've asked God to forgive me, and I believe that he has forgiven me. But as I've been trying to live my life, the consequences of those sins have been hounding me, kind of like those hooligans, kind of like the henchmen, and I've been trying to run away from the consequences of my sin. And sometimes it's felt like I've been in mud. And it's been slow, and it's been hard, and it's been difficult, and it's been miserable. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe, in fact, you're here today, and the consequences of your sin have been slowing you down. And you know exactly how I'm feeling. So what do you do when your life feels like this? When you're stuck in a pit, when you're stuck in the mud, what do you do? Well, we're going to answer that question uh, today. But first, we're going to look at the book of John. John chapter 1, verse 29. Because we're going to look at a part of the scripture where John the Baptist actually gives Jesus a name, a label, a title. And this is the first time we'll hear this label. And we're going to talk about why John referred to Jesus in this manner. That's going to then lead us to a psalm, Psalm 40, written by David. And we're going to look at that psalm, and that's going to bring us back to the question we just asked. And we're going to talk about what we should do when we are stuck. But let's go to John 1 first, chapter 1, verse 29. This is what we read. It says, the next day, John, and this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. Now, here's what's interesting. No one has ever called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is brand new. And the question you have to ask is, well, where in the world Did John get this visual? Where did he get this idea that this is who Jesus was? Well, there's four possibilities. The first one is that the Passover was just around the corner when this was going to happen. In other words, the festival that the Jewish people celebrated 
to thank God for when he rescued them, the Israelites, out of Egypt, was just around the corner. Now, if you know the Passover, you know this. You know that Moses was used by God, and God took Moses and used plagues to get his people out of slavery in Egypt. And finally, on the last plague, Pharaoh let them go. And the last plague was the killing of the firstborn male of every family, including animals. But anybody who sacrificed a lamb and took the blood and wiped the blood over the door of their house, that plague passed over them and nobody died. And that's what the Jewish people did. And so Pharaoh gave up and let the people go. Now, it's possible that as John saw Jesus coming with the Passover just around the corner, it's possible that he also saw lambs being marched to Jerusalem to be used for the Passover. And so John was creatively saying, hey, you know how the blood of the lamb allowed the curse to pass over the Israelites and freed them from Egypt? Well, Jesus, the Lamb of God, his blood is going to save all of us from the sin of the world. So that's one possibility. Another is that John was the son of a priest, which meant that John knew all about the rituals and the sacrifices of the temple. And he knew, he knew that every morning and every evening they would sacrifice a lamb in the temple because of the sins of the people. In fact, what's interesting is even when there was a war going on, even when there was um, struggling with food going on, the Jewish people never missed a day. Every morning, every night, they sacrificed a lamb for the people's sins. So John could be saying, hey, this is the lamb of God. And he's going to be sacrificed and he's going to take away all the sins of the world. Now there's a third possibility. John knew the scriptures. John knew the prophets. And he knew about the two lamb pictures that the prophets spoke about. The first one is Jeremiah chapter 11 verse 9. The prophet writes, But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. And then in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7, Isaiah writes, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. Now the Jewish people were very familiar with these pictures. And so John could be saying, hey, you remember the lamb? Those pictures that your prophets spoke about? Well, here he is. This is the one they were talking about. This is the lamb of God. Now, there is one more picture, one more possibility. It was very familiar with the Jews, not so familiar to us. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were the days of the great struggles of the Maccabees. And back in those days, a lamb, especially a horned ram, like you see on the the helmet of the Los Angeles Rams, that kind of ram, that was considered, that lamb was considered a conqueror, a champion. So John could be saying, hey, this Jesus, he is the Lamb of God. He is the conqueror. He is the champion. He has defeated sin once and for all. Now, 
Those are four possibilities. It could have been one, two, three. It could have been all of the above. But what's important to understand is John knew what his purpose was. And I'm going to read the rest of John 1, verses 29 to 39 here. And we're going to see why John was doing and saying what he was saying and doing. This is John 1. Again, I'll pick it up at the end of that part. It says, After me comes a man who has surpassed me, because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I watched the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, he is the one who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned to notice them following him, he asked them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you will see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, and it was about 10 in the morning. So John knew that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Son of God, and he knew what his job was. It's very simple. It was to point people to Jesus. He wasn't trying to get popular. He wasn't trying to make his own disciples. In fact, by pointing to Jesus, he lost people that were following him. They left John and they went and followed Jesus. And that was okay with John because John was brought here for a purpose. And that was to point people to Jesus. Now what he has in common, he has in common with um, David and his psalm that he sings in Psalm 40. I'm going to read the first three verses Psalm 41 through 3, David wrote this psalm, and I'll just read the first couple verses. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and he heard my cry for help. He brought me out from a desolate pit out of muddy clay, and he set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. You see, John understood what David knew. That God did all of these things, not for David's glory, not for David's credit, but so that God can be praised. I love this last verse. Many will see in fear, and the word there for fear really is to be in awe of God. So many will see, be in awe of what God has done in David's life, and they will put their trust in the Lord. Now this brings us to our original question, right? Here is David, much like we talked about. He's in a desolate pit. He's in muddy clay. He's stuck. He's not going anywhere. So what does he do? What is his option? His option is only one. He only has one option. And that's to cry out to God. That's his only option. Folks, if you are here today, and you might not have thought about it this way, but you felt this, that your life has been kind of stuck in the mud and you're not getting any traction and you're not going anywhere. Chances are it could be because you're in sin right now. 
And if that's the situation, then you need to cry out to God and ask him to forgive you, and he will. But then you've got to keep crying out for God because with your sin, unfortunately, comes consequences. And that takes time to work through. And sometimes those consequences can hold you down. For instance, you might have made some financial mistakes, some financial sins in your life. And you've asked God to forgive you and you're trying to turn your finances around. But guess what? They're not turning around as fast as you'd like them. And so those consequences of your poor choices are slowing you down. They're stopping you from being able to do what you believe that God wants you to do. And it's frustrating. It feels difficult. Or maybe you made some sexual mistakes in your past. And you've asked God to forgive you. And he has. But there's some consequences that you've had to carry now. Here's what's interesting. The first verse is always difficult. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. See, we now live in a country where we want to just cry out and God say, oh yeah, I forgive you, everything's good, and go jump and have a great time. Because that's how we work, right? I mean, think about it. How many of you would want to go to dial up internet? I'm going to tell you right now, when I have high-speed internet and when it slows down, I want to take my computer and chuck it through the window. I get so frustrated. Come on, speed up, right? If I had dial-up, I might lose my mind. But what if I had no internet? I might even lose my mind more. Because that's what we are now. We are impatient people. You all want to get in your cars. You want to go to a drive-thru. Drive-thru, ask God to forgive you. And by the time you come around with your french fries, life is perfect again. That's not how it works. The Bible has a clear teaching about patience. When the Bible talks about patience, it's talking possibly about years. That's right. Not minutes. Not hours. (laughs) Not days. But years. See, here's what's the good news. The good news is that God is going to bring you out from that desolate pit. He is going to pick you up out of that muddy clay. He's going to set your feet on a rock. He's going to put your steps secure and he's going to put a new song in your mouth. It's going to happen. It just might not happen while you're alive. And and that's the truth. You may have to wait 40 years until you pass away and then you get to heaven and you're out of the junk. You're out of the consequences of your sin. But then again, we have to understand time, right? What's what's 70 years on this earth compared to eternity with heaven, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? There is no comparison. Now, I'm not saying that's for everybody. I, I believe that while we're living, God can still bring us out of the desolate pit, get us out of the clay, set us free from our consequences, and then put a new song in our mouth. But then, guess what we got to do? Sing, right? And not in the shower, and not in the car by yourself. This song has to be sung to people because people have to hear what God has done in your life. Why? So they will see and fear, be in awe, And they will put their trust in the Lord. In your bulletin, you'll see that you had a card in there. It had scripture verses on one side. On the other side, it has next steps. 
I don't know where you are today, but one of these four things needs to be your next steps. If you're here today and you are stuck in the mud, and maybe it's because you are stuck in sin, and you've sinned over and over and over again, and you haven't asked God for any forgiveness, you've just been trying to plow through. If you're at that point, I want you to circle cry, and this week I want you to cry out to God and ask for forgiveness. He will forgive you. But don't stop crying. Keep crying and wait. Maybe you have to wait for him to get you out of that despair, get you out of that mud, get you out of that miry clay, get you out of those consequences. So maybe you need to circle wait. And then if you are here today and God has brought you out of the junk and he has put a new song in your life, you got to sing. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about actually what you, I suppose you could sing if you really want to sing. But you got to talk. you got to tell people. you got to tell how God brought you out of the junk. you got to tell people about how you were, and this is the hard part, you have to humble yourself, right? So you have to tell people, you know what? I messed up. And let me tell you a little secret. They know, right? I mean, when you tell your wife, man, I really messed up, your wife's sitting there going, really? I didn't notice. No, she sees everything. Your parents see everything. Your kids see everything. When you come clean, everyone's going to go, yeah, 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 we saw it. We're just wondering when you were going to, you know, come clean. You've got to humble yourself, come clean and say, hey, I messed up. But guess what God did? I asked him for forgiveness. He brought me out of all the garbage, all the junk. He set me free. And instead of singing about how awful my life is, now I can sing and praise God. So maybe some of you need to sing this week. I want you to circle sing. Now, here's the last one. Some of you need to point. And this is something that we all can do, right? And this is important. I want you to, I want you to hear me on this. John the Baptist could have been, quote unquote, famous. Really, really famous, right? I mean, he could have milked his situation. He could have, he could have, Soul, little John the Baptist statues. I mean, he could have really, you know, did that on. He, he, I guess he ate locusts, right? And honey, he could have, man, he could have made that a product. John the Baptist, locusts and honey. I mean, he could have really done some stuff here. But John knew this. It wasn't about him. And so he didn't worry about his glory. He didn't worry about what people thought about him. He just kept pointing people to Jesus. And not only pointing people to Jesus, but telling people who Jesus really is. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's our job. That's what we need to all be doing because we live in a world today where people are pointing towards other things. Gods who aren't real. There's only one Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Only one. No other gods. And sometimes that's not politically correct to say, but John didn't care, and we can't care anyways because we know the truth. We know the truth. So maybe you need to circle point, and maybe this week you need to point your friends, your family, your children, your neighbors to Jesus.